there's a much larger group of people who look like us who are out there doing it, right? So then that's one thing. Then there's the people who don't look like us, who don't know that we are doing this at all because they don't have to pay attention to us. So then they're like, where you were at? You spent seven weeks in Chile. Well, what were you doing? You speak Spanish? No. Like, has that stopped white people from going to places? Like, oh, yeah, I don't speak the language, so I'm not going to show up in Africa. No, they still show up. Why I can't go where I want to go. I think that's more of like a, the fear that we put on ourselves, like that whole misconception of like, we shouldn't be places that we're not invited to, where they may not want us, whatever that may be. Then on reverse, is anybody who's not us, they're confused because they're like, well, amazed, but definitely confused. But it's like, wait, the same way you buy a ticket and fly to Greece, why you think I can't buy a ticket and fly? Like they don't, I'm American, so my passport works just like yours. And I think it's because we usually spend, when we do have money, we spend it somewhere else. So I may be in the same, um, let's say, financial status as someone and then they're so used to us spending our money on other things that when they hear that I'm spending it on these experiences and trips and learning and knowledge and immersion, then they're like, oh, y'all do that? I was with Cha McCoy at one of her engineering project sites in Chelsea, New York, and then later on the phone. She is an engineering consultant, in-keep manager, and the co-founder of the Culture Bazaar Group. She addressed the misconceptions about travel, finding her passion for wine, and becoming a local while living in Italy for two years. Her experiences with travel motivate her to tell the stories connected to each bottle of wine. I'm your host, Coretta Ryan, and this is New York to Paradise, creating your own success. The profile of black travel has significantly increased over the last few years. However, there are still some misconceptions about people of color going to places they aren't invited to and how geography and history play a part in how people respond to black travelers. Chamakoy breaks down being mistaken as other while living in Italy. To truly blend in, impossible because of the color of my skin. Um, they would just kind of put me in one of those categories, which still means I'm other to them, even if I spoke Italian. And so then that also now leads you to how people connect with you in different places. So I dated someone who lived in the South of Italy, going down to go see him and being around him had a different vibe because they are closer to Tunisia and, um, you know, African in general. So then they have a different, you know, it's like a love hate. They understand that we exist. They're not staring at me and looking at me like I'm a foreign creature, like they would in some areas outside of Rome and a little bit north of Rome. Um, compared to there, they won't look at me like that, but they would treat me like, what are you doing here? So, um, where my friends who lived in that area who was black, he would get if you want to say kind of like ID to get to like walk with his passport, but that never happened to me or anyone I know in Rome. Blend with the people just never happens. There is a population of Africans who live in Rome. Most of them, if they're West African, the ones that you see in downtown area and near the Vatican are usually ones selling things to tourists. Then there's the other ones who are from East Africa, specifically Ethiopia, um, due to the whole Mussolini and Ethiopian government and the wars and it, it happened, it's a thing. And so 
there's a lot of Ethiopians who are Italian, which my teacher's given and, you know, that whole connection. It was easy for people to also think that I must be someone's cousin there. So they look, oh, okay. So they just kind of like assumed I was with the, let's say, the more Ethiopian Italians versus the ones that could have been there selling handbags from Senegal. Then there is, I guess, Africans who are from Europe. So they are here from places in France or English. So they would judge you based off of how you dress, what, like how you sound when you talk, of course, your accent, and when you speak Italian or in, when you speak English. And so that kind of puts you into which categories they wanted to place me in as far as um, being African, because I have brown skin. So they just assume I'm African first. Being brown skin, going out in the club, you can't look too provocative. I mean, you can, but then they're going to assume you're a prostitute. So that was a thing. Um, going into my building when I moved to the second neighborhood um, at night, I used to come home late from either just hanging out or just like coming home from, um, sometimes I had some night, night classes. Most of my classes got out late. And so when I come in the building, a lot of times people would think that I'm trying to rob them. And so they would like slam the door, like, so I can't get in the building. And of course they don't know I have like the key because I live here. They, they kind of like rush to get in the building because they think I'm following them. But I'm actually trying to just get home and they don't know I live in that same building as them. So like, but they're not used to people who look like me living in this middle-class Italian neighborhood. So that also was a thing. I think that you, if you was there for one week, two weeks, or even a month, you may not experience any of those things because that's me living there and being in different regions and exploring. So whether my lowest point, you know, there versus my highest point there, you may not see those type of extremes because you're going to be there for a snap. So anyone that's listening, I don't want them to be jaded. Like, oh, I can't wear this tight dress. They're going to think I'm a hooker. No, like, no, just you may not, that may not even happen to you. Breaking barriers as a black woman, Chao's interactions involve working with a wide variety of cultures. Her focus is in creating a work atmosphere that makes those around feel comfortable. Being black, being a woman, being an avid traveler, and being a wine consultant are all the things she uses to share her experiences. She talks about being humble and understanding and respecting people no matter who they are. Every day when I show up on a construction site, just being who I am, I'm not, you know, and of course there's women in construction at larger numbers today than before, but I'm probably not even the typical woman in construction either. So then even when I'm here, people are like, oh yeah, we like the way you dress and something different about you and all this other stuff. And, um, and I understand that they mean that in a way like, you know, the charismatic <laughs> person that they're seeing is not who they normally get when they like on a construction site that's always so serious or always about this that you know even no matter if it was a woman or male or black or white person who was actually running the site I'm a people person so for me I want to understand you know my contractors and then my Polish electrician who's here and then my Russian carpenter and then my Dominican laborers you know like and you know I have all these cultures here and my Jamaican um, tin knockers like I have them all here and I'm used to being around the world and talking to these people anyway so I have a different level of connecting with them. And so I think I'm breaking barriers in two ways, breaking down barriers of what it means to actually like work on sites like this too, where people are so used to things being so intense, intense. And then the person that's the leader or the boss or the manager, um, forget about what they look like, but the type of 
character that they have and how they run their site. You know, someone even said this is like one of their favorite projects they've been on all year um, because they, you know, because they actually have fun here because I don't, I'm not walking around with that kind of like suit and tie, you know, this is the way things get done. You know, I want them to take me serious. So I make sure I put my foot down when it comes to rules, regulations and process. But it's about all of my experience, whether it's in hospitality and I'm greeting a guest that just checked in. Um, and being humble enough to obviously make their bed when they leave out, all the way up to um, now coming to run a site of 40 to 50 men um, that's, you know, millions of dollars. So you need to be able to understand, like, how to act in all places and treat, as they say, the janitor like you would treat the CEO, you know. So I actually work amongst all those type of people in all of the places that um, that I work. So on a smaller scale today, since I'm not this big old hospitality company, restaurant, bars, lounges, this is the portfolio I want to stay in between. Any one of these places I can construct and design for someone else. Um, I will also do retail because I have a strong background in retail. So I'm open to also doing small um, retail outfits when it comes to like wine and on that level. So wine consultant, I'm understanding how large that is now so the breadth of that can entail anything from me going into let's use casa peachy and then they just opened up and they need somebody put together their wine list and then rotate it as they change their food menu so that's me being a wine consultant i come in look at what the food menu is try out pairing see what would work well price range um tasting everything and then i go okay this is the wine list i present i think this is what you should get and then also wine consultant with individual clients um, and wine stores in this case, too. So let's say just like my wine, the wine store I work at, he hired someone who was a wine expert who literally came in and he doesn't know anything about wine besides liking it. And then she came in and basically picked all the wine for the store so you can open up. So that's me being hired by a wine store to do that, as well as me working for individual clients. You want a quarterly subscription to wine that I choose for you. So that's already what I'm doing now. But now, obviously, people don't know me for it. So they're not coming to me for it. I only do it for a couple of people. So just like how you would get a personal chef, Blue Apron is like taking that personal chef away. In this case, I'm like working in response to the people who may want like a more personalized approach with a wine selection. They don't want just a box showing up with just reds. They want someone telling them what they have. And so then that's me on a consumer level, store level, and then now large hospitality, wine consultant level. Um, and then, of course, events etc that I may give to gain traction for that as well but lastly would be travel I'm a traveler people come for me for travel ideas all the time people I never hear from but they watching me on Facebook and I don't even know and the next you know they call me and tell me I'm going to Morocco have you been and then I have to build them itinerary so being a travel concierge would be that service for tourism and then if I actually put together trips that's based around wine that would be almost like a combination between the both of them. So that's the intentions is that being a travel concierge for folks, I'm not a travel agent. You know, I can, you don't have to go nowhere. You don't have to book with me. There's no whatever. I'm just the one putting together your itinerary and or giving the trip myself. So if I'm flying everybody with me to Napa or one week in Argentina and um, Chile, and then we're going to do a whole, you know, between both countries things and evaluate South American wine, um, whatever. So that's a leg on its own. Travel consultant, wine consultant, 
this construction design consultant. Wine became a big part of her experience in Italy. Growing up, her father influenced her understanding of what it means to adapt to cultures. Watching him pair bear with food and being taught that she should always embrace the culture of wherever she is in order to truly understand the people. Cha says each bottle has a story to tell, and that is what she enjoys sharing the most with the people she meets. Italy is about the sweet life. She adapted aspects of the Italian culture, like the Italian stroll, when she moved back to New York City. Their lifestyle is like La Dolce Vita, right? So everything is all about living a sweet life, taking it easy. Everything's easy in Italy, no matter how much issues they have about complaining with the government or with the bus system. They're like crazy about like yelling at the bus. The bus is late, you know. It's, it's a crazy. It's a Rome thing. I shouldn't say it's all Italians, um, but you you re- become local when you start realizing you're complaining about the same things that they're complaining about. But um, so it was kind of like a gift and a curse. When I was there, I was like all in love, and then I realized after like two months, oh wait, I'm not on vacation. Like all of the fairy uh, tale things you think about, the, you fall in love with the city, it starts turning into the reality um, of it. Just kind of learning how, like, the way of life of becoming a local, you know, going to better markets. Um, so I'm really stickler at that now, you know, when I'm going to my, my food shopping, taking the time out to go for a walk, which is a big deal for them on Sunday. It's like a thing. They would, like, pack their kids up and, like, just stroll around. And if you're, like, in a rush to get anywhere, you're like, why is everyone on the same speed? It's, like, crazy. So it's, like, especially being a New Yorker, I'm like, I can't work with this at all um so that's one of the things we're trying to take the time out to do it so I have a dog here in New York City so for me that's when I take my time to do my Italian stroll I'm like you know what today we're gonna walk I'm not bringing my cell phone no one can bother me so these are things that I've kind of like you know learned from Italy that I bring back with me and take very seriously um when I do it so that sometimes it's not something extravagant like talking about wine sometimes it's simply as like making sure I go for a walk for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, undisturbed by anyone besides, you know, who's right in front of me. It was an amazing time to be able to have exposure to all of Italy. That's where I got connected with wine as well. I actually uh, did a project with a vineyard when I was out there and started, like, showing up at this wine store and then basically started working there. <laughs> Air quotes, by the way, because the man never said, oh, you're hired. I just started coming in and started, so I was like, oh, okay, let me start selling wine. He don't know, which was funny. He was on a touristy street, so there was enough people coming in who spoke English. But then that's how, I guess, my, lo- my love for wine and knowledge for wine, I guess, officially started and then started taking off into a different realm. I grew up around uh, my father, who was a chef, um, studied in the culinary arts, and he always paired the right thing. And he's not a wine drinker. He actually is a beer drinker. So with him, whether it was in a Japanese restaurant when I was little um, or if we were Italian, he knew exactly the right beer to have with everything. So that really stuck with me. And that's how Italians drink wine. They're really big with pairing. Very high acidity on their wines because it was meant to have with a steak if you was in the north. Or the acidity even in their white wines is because you're going to have the seafood dish, you know. So it's all on purpose compared to just like, that means you can't enjoy it on its own, but it, it, it serves a purpose to be on a table. Because I love traveling and I love hearing these stories, that makes me love wine more because that's, each bottle has a story. Somebody came to uh, my wine store the other day and was looking for a South American um, 
Malbec. Start talking to her about my time in Mendoza and um, in Argentina and seeing, tasting some of the best Malbecs I've ever had in my life. And then I, you know, we had a common year there. Even though we only have one in the store, I just let her know that I think if you like Malbec, you would love this one too. Tell me more. In 1994, Chile actually realized that the grape that they thought they was planting, which was Merlot, which is what they thought, come to find out it was actually common year, right? So now this is not just a story with that one bottle. Now a whole country was confused basically for years before and did not until 1994 they realized they was planting something different. Those type of stories are the stories that I love hearing and like sharing with people. People are like, oh, what? And, you know, oh, I want to try this. I want to see how, is it close to Merlot? Or is it closer to Malbec? You know, and then they actually tried and they may fall in love with it. Um, and then now they, they hooked onto now a new grape. Those are all part of like why I'm so, if you want to say, if you want to say good at wine, it's because I remember the stories. I love the stories and I like sharing the stories. And it's part of those places culture. Like when you start hearing about small villages and communes in France, you know, that's how come we know Beaujolais and uh, Bordeaux and all these names, you know, these, these regions, people know the names. They probably don't even realize that they drink in the wine and that's an actual place, Sancerre, like these are locations. So you end up being um, attached to geography too when you are definitely talking about wine. Coco says, learn to be a student of observation. The goal, I do see it. I'm a magazine junkie. When I'm flipping through magazines, whether it's Travel and Leisure or Culinary Magazines, seeing where some sommeliers are at and what they're doing with their brands, I get real fired up. Like, I'm like up to like 3 a.m., like reading about these people, Googling them. And I'm one of those people, I'm like an avid researcher. So anybody looking for a consultant, I'm your girl. <laughs> I can look up anything. For Cha McCoy, living in Italy and her experience with wine cultivated her interest in wanting to create businesses around wine, culture, and travel. Exposing yourself to new experiences forces you to become innovative in your approach with how you navigate business. Your observations are part of your learning, which is why it's important to manage your surroundings so they are filled with positive and purposeful experiences. Her love for simply browsing magazines for inspiration gets her excited about her work and makes her hyper aware of what she would create as a business and how she would share it with others. As this episode is titled, The Power of Observation, remember to take time each day to sit and reflect on how you plan to use your personal experiences to create your vision. Getting people to understand your passion in the early stages can be hard. But staying focused is integral to the process. Cha explains some of the challenges as an entrepreneur. I would say a personal challenge would be, you know, just kind of, I guess, open to the haters that's out there or the people who won't get it um, and don't feel like I have to explain myself to them. Like just feel confident in um, my own journey and steps that I'm taking towards getting there. So. Um, it's been a struggle because every time I tell my story, like I'm telling you my story now, unless I had the keys to a place right now to show somebody, they, it makes sense, you know, at the end. But a lot of people, when they don't see it, their um, division, as they say, right, um, is very hard to get people on board to support you, whether it's financially, um, 
tech help, anything that you're like, hey, I got this idea, and they're like, huh, what? It may not sound, you know, as attractive as somebody else who may already have taken off already. So, um, so believe in in my own vision and um, stay in the course. You can support Cha McCoy and watch her vision unfold at Cha underscore squared on Instagram and follow culturebazaar.com for more information. Thank you for listening. This series is brought to you by CRPRLLC.com. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, and like New York to Paradise on CRPRLLC.com. You can also listen to the show on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Follow the hashtag New York to Paradise across social media. If you are or know of an entrepreneur in your community who would be a great addition to the show or interested in collaborating with the show, drop me a line at info at crprllc.com.